It's such good shit. Did you guys see um, any of the Jake Paul, uh, Tommy Fury fight? I didn't even know what happened. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a few tangential wrestling threads on that, right? Tyson Fury's brother, Logan Paul's brother, a couple WWE alums duking it out. So who who won? Tell me every everything. Tell me everything. The all the only thing I know is Tommy Fury won, and it felt pretty convincing based on the highlights I was getting. Granted, I think my TikTok algorithm knows that I want Jake Paul to get his ass kicked, so it might be feeding me only the the wrong kind of video. Good lord. Yeah, I mean, if he didn't get knocked out, then it's not good enough for people that don't like Jake Paul to feel satisfied with it. I think people want him to just get knocked out, but losing is losing. Well, there's a lot of rumor that Tommy intentionally didn't knock him out at certain points that he could have like finished the fight. Um, that maybe there was something built in the contract where it's like this seems if this goes rounds, you get paid more sort of a thing. I wonder if that's been in all the fights, because there's been mention of that before in fights that he's won, where it was like these trained fighters are not doing things that they should be doing. And it's really weird that they're not. That was the Logan and Floyd thing, right? I think so. I think that's where that started. I mean, the first time I remember hearing something like that was uh, the McGregor Mayweather fight where it's like, oh, Mayweather's carrying him to like, yeah. I mean, I think the boxing is scripted thing is a little bit overblown, right? You would just be pro wrestlers then. I mean, what's with all the charade? It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, some of these sports look at how wrestling is and it's like, you know, we have some, some drama that maybe we, we script or we have some such thing go a certain way. We know we're going to get ratings. I mean, that's how pro wrestling started was, you know, the carnies and shit that were doing the wrestling. were like, Hey, if we just pretend that we're fighting and have a, a an interesting outcome, People will pay us money and our bodies won't get beat up. So it's not a stretch to think that some of these other sports are, are, are there, that there's some of that happening. Yeah. I don't think that it's like a, um, in any sport, I don't think it's like a systematic thing that's going on. Like, I don't think the NFL is rigged, but you know, sometimes things happen behind the scenes with certain games or certain people, I'm sure that things happen and I wouldn't be surprised if it that's, you know, the case in certain boxing matches that seem to have these weird anomalies happen where fighters just seemingly don't do things that you would expect them to out of nowhere. And you're like, very odd. Well, anyway, it's enough of the boxing talk. We are such good shit. A wrestling podcast where the three of us get together talk about all the things that make professional wrestling such good shit. Um, before we kind of get going with our topic this week, I did want to mention, um, you know, North Texas wrestling lost uh, uh, a mainstay who's been here for a long time. Uh, Jason Silver passed away 
last week. Uh, I worked with him a lot in MPX. He was all over North Texas. Uh, he also worked at ACW down in uh, Austin. Um, it's been really hard on a lot of us this last week. Uh, you know, Silver was a young guy, and it was kind of a shock. So um, my condolences to his family, and I'm going to miss him. Uh, but on to uh, happier things. Uh, this week, we are going to talk about the Hall of Fame. Uh, not only the Hall of Fame, but we're talking about who's in it and should they be in it. Uh, and I guess part of that conversation is us deciding what what things make a wrestling Hall of Famer. Um, so let's kind of go around the circle and just kind of talk about what criteria we're going to be using here. And then we'll kind of dive into who's in the current WWE Hall of Fame and should they still be there or yeah, maybe not? Yeah, I mean, I think I alluded to this last week. For me, the litmus test is going to be, can you tell the story of professional wrestling without this person? You know, if the answer is yes, then they're automatically not going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if that's going to be the only requirement, but for me, that's the baseline is they're integral to the story of professional wrestling. Yeah, I think when we're talking about WWE's Hall of Fame, it's really easy to start with, you know, you have to have some kind of accolade. Um, I'm not going to say that you need to have won the world title because I don't even think some people that have won the world title are going to be considered Hall of Famers. Um, but I feel that, like what Alec is saying, you need to have made a a tangible impact in the in the sport and or in WWE for this. And well, so that's the at first least uh, should have some kind of accolade, uh, a championship of some kind, unless you were considered an attraction. So, Andrew, you touched on the first decision point. So we're considering everybody, not just WWE linear people. Well, I think for for this case, for what we're talking about, we're going to be going through WWE's Hall of Fame. So if somehow the, the the WWE recognizes that because of how they absorb territories or how certain title lineages like ended up underneath them. And so right. those people are considered. I think that's fine. OK, so we're not we're not booting out someone like a Luthes or, or those kind of guys. We're saying the no. professional wrestling Hall of Fame people that WWE's inducted are fair game. Right. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to like modern stuff, you know, we wouldn't consider Kenny Omega for this because it's still going to be a WWE Hall of Fame. But consider who WWE would consider, which is going to be basically anybody in the legacy or history of wrestling leading up to WWE existing that would have paved a way or had an impact on that company. So there are going to be some, you know, people if we get into modern times that aren't going to count because WWE is well established and those some of those people did not work for WWE. I think another question that um, we should consider too is what what's our percentage going to be? Like do we, 
do we have a so the thing in baseball is always it's it's the one percent of the one percent club like do we want this to be scarce or does it not matter no i mean this is kind of a thought exercise right we because in general people feel like the wwe hall of fame is bloated and people are in there that shouldn't be in there and really it's just oh if vince decides you're worthy, you go in, right? There's not really any other criteria beyond that. That's what people talk about, including people in the industry. So I, I what I, we should do is go through this with an open mind, not have a goal in mind of pruning X amount of people or keeping as many as possible. I think we should just go through it as objectively as possible and just see where we land. You know, if we get to the end of this and we've cut out three quarters, all right. If we get to the end and it's the same, we cut out five people, okay. Uh, Are we ready to uh, jump in? Yeah, I'd say so. All right. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to go class by class, starting chronologically. Uh, I have the handy-dandy WrestleMania program here that has all the Hall of Famers. Um, So it makes this nice and easy. Uh, So first class of 1993 was a sole inductee, which is Andre the Giant. Uh, I don't think we need to waste any time discussing whether Andre the Giant belongs in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. I think that's a given. But I also think Andre sets the tone um, for what it should take to be in here, right? Like, Andre was not a champion. He was he was hardly ever a champ. He was an attraction, and he was massive to the territories. He was massive to the growth of WWF in the Golden Era, you cannot tell the story of professional wrestling without Andre the Giant. So I think he's as good a, an example of what the blueprint of a Hall of Famer is as you can get. Agreed. Andrew's not fighting it, so I guess we're good. Yeah, I felt like you, you said what needed to be said. I, I almost didn't feel like it was necessary to butt in with it. All right, uh, so the next class uh, actually had, uh, you know, a handful of people. Uh, so this is class of 94. Uh, first up, we have Classy Freddy Blassie. So I know some of these older classes, I'm probably going to need to go through a lot of them because y'all haven't been as exposed to the older, older stuff as much as I have been. As someone who worked as a manager for a long time, Freddie Blassie was somebody whose stuff I watched. Um, because he was a very influential manager in the early days. To me, Freddie Blassie is kind of the prototype for the guys that we got that came after, such as Bobby Heenan, Jim Cornette, et cetera, et cetera. Freddie Blassie was not the first manager, but he was one of the first to really make a name and be great at it. And... Freddie Blassie for a period of time was the WrestleMania voice, was he not? Yes, they used him because uh, even when he was done being an on-screen thing, he was still working behind right. the scenes for a number of years. To me, the fact that that's how WWE chose to use him, uh, that I, th- I think he's a Hall of Famer based on what I know. Right, that's my only interaction with him, so it speaks loudly. He's one of those people that, to this day, you'll still hear about him a lot. You know, the work that he did, whether it's transcendent or not, 
still has a huge impact on the wrestlers that we watch today. And I think that a lot of his work sort of shaped what the industry looks like, sort of the the foundation of modern professional wrestling can probably borrow some of its structure from the work that he did. And I think, uh, you know, we're about to get into some of the other people in this 1994 class, and it feels like that's going to sort of be a trend with a lot of these guys, is that it's hard to sort of track because it's so far, you know, before any of us. But the impact that that actually had and how it molded what we see today is very important. So uh, Blassie's in, right? Yep. Yes. All right. Uh, so next up, we have Bobo Brazil. Um, and I'll be honest, I I know who Bo- Bobo Brazil is. I've heard his name. I've seen clips of him. I, I haven't watched full on matches of the guy, um, so it's hard to say. Oh yeah, he should be in or shouldn't be in. Um, I don't want to shit on a guy's legacy just because I'm, I'm not aware of it. Uh, so this might be one of those ones that we have to kind of Wikipedia and see what has, you know, what has he done? And I kind of lean towards this situation, just leaving them in. So right. uh, the first paragraph about Bobo Brazil, he is credited with breaking down barriers of racial segregation and professional wrestling He's considered one of the first successful African-American professional wrestlers. There you go. Hall of Famer. There you go. I mean, that's, yeah, that would be a uh, Hall of Famer. All right. Next up, we have James Dudley. Now, James Dudley was a promoter. Um, He worked behind the scenes with Jess McMahon back in the 50s and 60s. Um, And then later with... um, uh, Vincent J. McMahon, Vince's father. Um, he was famous also for being the first African American to run a wrestling show in a major arena in the United States. I, I, I again, I feel like just for that alone, for breaking racial barriers back in the, you know, back in the fifties and sixties when things were not as I don't want to say equal as today because let's face it, there's not equality still, right? But things were a lot worse back then. Um, I think that is definitely something to, you know, it's commendable, right? Yeah. And again, I'm not going to kick someone out of the Hall of Fame without cause. There's going to be plenty that I'm going to have cause for. So I'll, I'll save right. it for those guys. Yeah. And, and this is where we need to sort of you know, establish that people with a backstage presence don't, that doesn't necessarily mean they're automatically disqualified um, because we're wanting to redo this list. Obviously when it comes to the bloated nature of the hall of fame, there are going to be people that have only a backstage presence that we feel like should not count. Um, But when Mm. we're talking about people that are, you know, did work that is, you know, groundbreaking and transcendent for its time, it, it's important to leave those in because they're, they're a mark of history that mm-hmm. 
that represents where things were at at that time in wrestling. And so you don't want to leave that out. I think that those are the ones when we talk about people with the backstage presence, that this is, you know, the prototype of what should be left in. Um, all right. So next we've got Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any arguments here. Um, I'm not super familiar with his in-ring work other than the fact that he was a monster of a man and, and whatnot, but obviously his work backstage, his work as an announcer was phenomenal. He's one of the the greatest announcers of all time. Uh, I can't see how you don't have gorilla monsoon in a hall of fame. Yeah. Baseline guy. His work has and probably will forever have an impact on the uh, content that we see right now. A lot of what he did is still, you know, what we're seeing today. It's all, a lot of it's in the same mold, and I think it's always going to be that way. He's basically touched every single person that we've ever watched on TV. Uh, and also, for those who are somehow not aware, the reason we have Gorilla Position is because of Gorilla Monsoon. They named that after him. So <laughs> if you're going to tell the story of professional wrestling, you know, uh, up next you have uh, Buddy Rogers, who was the first WWF champion. I, I think that alone puts... The fact that Vince uh, or Jess believe that Buddy was the guy to carry the torch when they first broke away from uh, the NWA. Uh, right? I feel like that gives you an insane amount of instant credibility. Not to mention he's the inspiration to uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So if he wasn't around... Okay, but this brings up an interesting point. We talked about this kind of a little bit last time. If... If Nature Boy Buddy Rogers did not exist and Nature Boy Ric Flair could not be Nature Boy Ric Flair, does that automatically mean that Buddy Rogers has to go into the Hall of Fame because he has to have existed to help to cause Ric Flair to exist? How does that, how do we tackle that? Because it comes back to our golden rule of how do you tell the story of wrestling without Buddy Rogers, right? It changes everything. Ric Flair isn't Ric Flair. Um, subsequent guys aren't subsequent guys. That is a tricky path to go. And if everybody, look, Buddy Rogers is in regardless of Ric Flair, right? But I think that is a slippery slope that we have to be careful with. Because there's going to be guys that we're going to see that trained somebody influential later on. But maybe their career wasn't so great. So, like, are they really that worthy of being in the Hall of Fame? Just because yeah, they trained it, someone. It depends on the level of the person they trained and how big of a footnote they are to it. Like, Buddy Rogers is in the Ric Flair wiki page, I would suspect. Maybe not, but close to it, right? Whereas, I, I think it kind of comes down to how big of an impact the person was and how big of a star the person they impacted was. I, I like to... This, this is, um, I'm going to name something, we'll call it the dusty rule. 
So there's there's a lot of guys that we hear about and you find out that they were trained by some other wrestler and we don't really necessarily know how big of an impact that person had on, you know, whichever wrestler's career we're talking about. But um, if we talk about like, eventually we're going to get to Dusty Rhodes. That one's an obvious yes. He impacted every single person in NXT and it's still kind of prevalent what impact he had based on how much they talk about him. So I think that's a good rule of thumb when we're talking about like, oh, this guy influenced this person. Okay, well, can you, do we see that influence? How often have they spoken about that influence? Dusty is the perfect one to talk about because of how many wrestlers he trained through NXT and what, you know, some of those people have accomplished and how often they talk about him. Those, I think that's the kind of, that's that's the thing that we're going to want to look for when we're talking about a wrestler influencing another. Um, if we're wanting to establish that as being Hall of Fame worthy. All right. Uh, so let's move on. Ar- 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 Arnold Skoland uh, is next. So Skoland is most remembered for his post in-ring career. Uh, he was a manager. Um, some of his notable people were Bruno San Martino, Bob Backlund. Uh, he also became a road agent for WWE for a long, long time. Um, he was also involved with um, with a lot of these guys in the earlier classes. He, he worked with either Jess or Vince J to help establish the territory back in the, the beginning years. Um, so I think there's a lot to that. Um, that said, you know, like I said, his in-ring career, I'm not very well-versed in um mostly his managerial stuff and his, you know, I've heard a lot of stories about him as an agent and stuff like that. Um, also, um, he served as a personal agent to Andre outside the ring, like helping make sure Andre got where he needed to go and things like that. Uh, he did that before Tim white did later on. Uh, so look, if you want to talk about, somebody's contributions to someone else's career. I mean, the Andre stuff and working with, you know, Jess and, and Vince to, to get WWF going and get it where it is, you know? Yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. Looking through, through his accomplishments and the people that he worked with, it's going to be hard to deny that he had an impact on people like who we just spoke about, uh, Buddy Rogers, Freddie Blassie. Um, he he was in that scene with them, you know, in the trenches, so to speak. So uh, even though he's not a name that comes up as frequently, you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody who was there who wouldn't mention him and the impact that he had with those people. Um, all right. So the last person in the 94 class, this one might be our first possible expulsion is uh, chief J strongbow. Um, let's talk about his career and his contributions before we get into the whole 
gimmick. Um, you know, Jay Strongbow was a, he was a bit of a bridge from the sixties into the eighties, right? Where you started getting more of the colorful characters and, and gimmicks and things like that. Um, Look, he's definitely accomplished as an in-ring competitor. Um, I don't think there's any questions about that. Uh, he was a four-time tag champ in WWF. Um, he was massively popular with the fans. Uh, I mean, to this day at Access, they still uh, generally will put a display of some of his gear uh, out there. Now... We have to talk about the fact that uh, Joe Scarpa is not Native American. Uh, and from what I've gathered, wearing a headdress of that sort and doing some of the, the motions that he did are considered offensive to Native Americans because, like, hey, you're not one of us, what do you, why are you co-opting our thing? I don't think we should be getting into the business personally, at least I'm not going to get into the business of, um, relitigating history or I guess, um, holding historical figures to the same standards that we hold people to today. Um, so I, I think we need to grade the heinousness of things against the times that they occurred. Um, otherwise, we're going to end up with a really power-washed view of history. Okay. I so mean, maybe a little more it, philosophical than we need for the wrestling conversation, but <laughs> I, I just think that, like, you know... I mean, I, I guess, right. Look, Jay Strongbow passes the the test of can you tell the story of wrestling without him? I'd argue not. Jay Strongbow comes up when you read um, a lot of biographies from guys who were around in the 70s and 80s. Um, when you listen to interviews on podcasts, like Jay Strongbow's name still comes up to this day from people. So... He's definitely had an impact, and I even as a as a kid when I got into wrestling, even though he wasn't wrestling at that point, I knew who he was. Like pretty early on, as soon as I started getting into wrestling and watching older stuff and seeing reading books and things, you know, Chief J Strongbow came up a lot. Yeah, very much in a uh, pillar of the industry. All right, so uh, we've made it through the first two classes. Everybody stayed in. Yes? Yeah, I have some reservations about Strongbow, but I'm willing to allow this one through because it's, it's, it's a really tricky debate. And uh, um, Alec is right in terms of we, we shouldn't rewrite history in favor of, you know, what's acceptable now. Um, and Matt, you're also right in, in the sense that it's hard to tell the story without him. Um, 
but but given the fact that he's an Italian American portraying a Native American, and there's a lot of history that you know behind the scenes he was not a very nice guy, um, and definitely you know derailed some careers. It, it feels like there's a black spot on him, um, so I I don't like it. But given his actual accomplishments, I feel like we we can. I'll let this one go. So this is a philosophical thing we're going to have to confront a few times as we go through this list, and it's something that a lot of sports have to confront with their Hall of Fame because of the extent of like PED use, muddying, you know, history of baseball and and football and stuff. It's <clears throat> all you can do. You've got two options, right? You either grade the accomplishments and acknowledge the Hall of Fame based on the accomplishments, or you do a Hall of really good people. That's the way I look at it. I mean, look, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame probably has a lot of shitty people in it. Right? We have to grade on accomplishments, not how good a person they were. I think there's some exceptions to that. For particularly heinous things. You kill someone or you hurt people physically or mentally. um, That's different than just being kind of a scumbag. Yeah, unfortunately, I think we're going to be coming up on that for uh, some of these inductees in a little bit. There's a particular individual I think we all have in mind. Yeah, for for Strongbow, it's not ideal, but it's I don't think it's deal breaker. To cut okay. him out for it. Um, let's jump into class of 95. First up is Big Cat Ernie Ladd. Uh, look, Ladd was extremely influential uh, back in the 70s. He's one of the, again, one of the first um, big stars that was African American. I don't know how you don't have him in there. Yeah, I agree. To me, this is another no brainer. We, we're going to come up a few times on some of these early examples of African-American wrestlers being able to hang with guys that at that time in history, it should have been impossible for them to accomplish such a task. And right. so their accomplishments may not be nearly as big or as extensive as the person right next to them, but the fact that they were even right next to them in the first place is kind of a miracle. Uh, this is definitely another one, and I, th- I think we're going to come up on a handful more of those. So I just kind of want to throw this out there now that since we are sort of going to be saying that and then sort of brushing it along, that this sort of that acknowledgement, anytime that that happens, that's sort of the reason why um, it feels very important to keep those people in there as a historical context. Um, all right, so the next one, the Fabulous Moolah. <sighs> so I think we're all aware of the Dark Side of the Ring episode about her from a few years ago and all of the really bad things that she's done to people. Look, as as a female performer, she helped pave the way for women However, because of her selfishness and other aspects of her personality, she held down an entire generation of women, right? She paved the way for herself and then blocked it 
for the next couple decades after her. Uh, she's the first one that I'm going to say shouldn't be here. Yeah, this is this is tricky because while there's no, you know, conviction of any sort of crime, uh, there is too many people making very similar claims about her behavior. And when we talk about how she paved the way for women's wrestling, it's like, well, it, when you read about it, it sounds more like she set the narrative that she paved the way while simultaneously controlling women's wrestling at that time with her influence. So there's two ways to look at it. And you guys are sort of looking at it from the impact to the sport behind the scenes, that sort of thing. But I think it is important to acknowledge just tickets sold, drawing power, popularity, um, size of the star. Like, I feel like those things matter too. Oh, sure. Um, I, and so it's just hard do. for me to have a hall of fame that fabulous Mula is not in. Like I get again, not the ideal person that we'd want in the Hall of Fame, but um, just without a doubt on paper is a Hall of Famer. So it's kind of like, are we going to have a Hall of Fame with all the blemishes or are we going to try to whitewash some of this stuff out? I don't think it's whitewashing because to me, it's like saying... You put somebody in there, like there's guys that we've acknowledged so far that we're like, okay, they paved the way for the people to come. Like Freddie Blassie paved the way for the, uh, heels and managers to come after him, right? But if Freddie Blassie had blocked the way for people after him because of his antics, because of things that he did behind the scenes, wouldn't we go, well, wait a minute, why is he in here? If the impact is positivity and and to the sport right and things that you did that helped the sport move forward that helped other people prosper if you did the exact opposite of that why are you in here you're you're, you're doing the wrong comparison though so the person you should be comparing her against is like a hulk hogan who actually did a lot of shitty things behind the scenes too um he or an did. ultimate warrior there's plenty of instances of People doing shitty things behind the scenes, but did but they have long term impacts? But did they have long term impacts that held down an entire division of the industry? Yeah, I think Hogan had, did for sure. I think the other thing to point out too is Hogan, while it was you know it may have held people down, or or you know he's an asshole for it. I mean. The stuff we're talking about with Fabulous Moolah, if it's true, is is bordering on criminal actions. So that's, I mean, honestly, it might be. I, I really need to. Right, but the, there's going to be other criminals in the Hall of Fame, I, th I think. Um, now, here's the other thing about the comparison to Hulk Hogan. Yes, Hogan held people down over his career, but there's equally a lot of people that he elevated that had no fucking business being elevated, right? Hogan helped his buddies. To the detriment of others. Okay. And I mean, ultimately, I don't think it's super relevant to the conversation for in-ring talent necessarily. What, what no, they did behind but the scenes. I, don't, I just feel like the, the depth of what Moolah did is just so 
detrimental that you can't overlook it. Yeah, I'm not going to die in the hill here. Um, but I think this is one I would have preferred to see go the other way, probably. Oh, look, there's three of us. Let's take a vote. Uh, take an official formal vote. Uh, I say she's out. I, I do as well. Okay, she's out. I, I, I want to uh, go on record officially. Uh, the, the, uh, the thing that the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of her, her negative behavior for me is that she sexually exploited the women underneath her. Uh, the pimping allegations is the basically the number one thing that's like, okay, that's officially crossing the line. At, at that point, we're, we're talking stuff that, that that goes well beyond poor business practices that, you know, that's completely unethical. So that's why I, I can't in good faith, do, you know, allow her to be on the list. Um, let's move on to somebody that's definitely deserving of being on the list. That is Pedro Morales. Uh, Pedro was the first Latino WWF champion. Um, the first Latino world champion, regardless WWF or not. Uh, he was also the first triple crown champion. Uh, he's also on the list of the top, uh, days, uh, as total as WWE champion. I think Roman is slowly but surely closing in on his reign, but that just shows you how uh, big a deal Pedro Morales was that he held the belt for, you know, over a thousand days. Yeah. It's a, another no brainer for me, right? If you have the first of four or five different times, you're your no brainer. Yeah. This is an easy. Yes. All right. Up next we have Ivan Putski, the Polish hammer. I'm aware of Ivan Putski. I know who he is, but I'm not fully aware of his, uh, his career. Um, so like Wikipedia. So he was a former WWF tag champion with Tito Santana. He feuded with Billy Graham over the WWF title. Um, he was the first Polish wrestler to perform in WWE, but like, I don't, so I gotta be honest, I'm kind of leaning towards out on this one. Um, and I'm almost thinking maybe we have a bucket for guys that we're gonna say are out for now, but maybe come back in if we purge sufficiently. Well, so like I just like don't we, know enough about him to feel strongly one way or the other, but it just feels like kind of the right. stats you just gave out don't sound Hall of Fame worthy. Right. Well, so one thing that we had talked about, um, when we talked about this idea, and I can't remember if it was on air last week or not, was basically you take the entire current Hall of Fame and label them all WWE legends. Then you go through and decide who's truly in the Hall of Fame, right? Like Mula, despite everything, is still a legend, okay? I think Putsky for sure is a legend, right? I know who he is. I'm aware of him. I've been aware of him since I was a kid, but he just never felt like a big deal. The biggest claim to fame for him, really, is his son was uh, Scott Putzky, popular w- WCW wrestler back in 1998. <laughs> um, yeah, I. here's the thing. it's I, I'm not downplaying any of Putzky's uh, contributions, right? But I feel like if you're telling the story of professional wrestling, you could probably skip him. 
I've heard the name before, but that's about where my familiarity ends. Therefore, he inherently isn't required for the story of professional wrestling coming from it that or coming at it from the standpoint that I feel like I'm someone who is familiar with the story of professional wrestling and I don't have any facts on it. Not to like overinflate myself, but you know, I feel like I need to have heard of you to give you Hall of Fame status. Uh, all right. So are we in agreement that he is out? Yeah, for for the time being, I, I I'm okay with uh, saying that there's there's not enough here to to give this one a Hall of Fame. Okay. Uh, next, we have Antonio Roca. So it's gonna Roca, be a no for me, dog. Wow. Okay, that was fast. Just never heard of him. So Roca was the guy featured on the cover of the very first WWF magazine. He's the one that's jumping in the air, kind of doing the splits. Like doing the toe touch. I'm sure you've seen the cover. Um, <laughs> so as far as titles, so he was mostly in the in the company when it was. Um, I mean, he started when it was the Capital Wrestling Corporation before it was technically WWF. Um, let's see. So I'm actually going to rescind my I'm out on him. I'm actually going to put him in. He passed away in 1977. So he is predates my understanding by such an amount of time where I, I, I'm i not going to pass. You can't just immediately say he's yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to immediately say he's in because what, what the fuck do I know? Yeah, what the fuck do you know? Yeah, reading through his his accomplishments here, this is another one of those guys uh, we we talked in the '94 class. Um, some of those people that you don't hear their name very often, but they actually were pretty influential for their time and were right. definitely in the mix with some of the guys that you hear come up really, really often. Um, it. By all measures, he had a huge impact on what is now WWE in that transitional period between Capital Wrestling Corporation and Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That era yeah. of of the company definitely uh, was molded by him and other figures that, like like Buddy Rogers, who he had, you know shared a locker room with he was also one of the first high flyers i mean like i talk about that WWF magazine you know that he was on he's he was one of the first high flyers back in the day and um yeah i i think he stays in uh next we have george the animal steel george steel is so he, he's one of the first guys that we're encountering that was big in the golden era right like some of these guys were around during that time but george Steele's one of those ones that when i think of george Steele, i think of the early 80s i think of wwf um the early wrestlemania era that's that's who I, that's what i think of he's one of those guys that was an attraction I don't think people were necessarily paying money just to see just George Steele, 
But I think he was one of those guys that you'd see him on the show and be like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's entertaining. I like him. Man, I'm I don't know if I'm seeing it here. I mean, it's just not the hall of, oh, yeah, that guy. He's entertaining. I like him. Yeah, if we are wanting this to be a very select list, this is one of those old school guys that I think doesn't quite make the cut. He's a classic, oh, it's George the Animal Steel. He's a classic, oh, guy. Yeah, but okay, but Steel was one of the first guys, again, to, to kind of cultivate a cartoony-ish gimmick that really became big and popular in the in the 80s. Um, you know, he had the, the green tongue. He obviously was super hairy and let his, you know, body hair grow. Um, he would have uh, his stuffed animal, mine, like, uh, oh, the tearing up the fucking turnbuckles, going up in the corner and tearing them open and stuff. Like, he's iconic. Mm-hmm. He's just not definitely, a whole famer. Definitely the exact definition of, of, of the legend status, but not quite. You know, we said before some of the guys that were the first did make the cut for being the first, but those were, I mean, we were talking about transcendent, you know, <laughs> socio-political stuff that they were the first for. This is just, you know, he he was the first guy to do a really outlandish gimmick. I don't think that that's enough. That's not breaking down barriers first. I. It's hard for me to say that he shouldn't be in. I think if you if you look back at the other names that we've named so far that we've said, yeah, they're in. I, I, I don't know. It's, I guess it's hard for because... me to argue it's hard for me to make the argument other than just the feeling of he should be in. Yeah. I kind of hear what you're saying that like some of the other guys that have been in, he feels like he's bigger than those people. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, there's going to be recency bias that's going to increase as we get further down the list because the people are going to feel more relevant than those guys we were talking about from class one or class two, I should say. Um, I, I just so, think there's there's such a unique thing when you're talking about guys from like the 50s and 60s that we just shouldn't use them as like a barometer. Um, and Matt, I would hit you with this uh, scenario. I think you could probably produce a two-hour professional wrestling documentary, and I don't think you'd have to have George Hanwell Steel in it. And I don't think it would be hard to cut yeah. him out. yeah. All right. Uh, so, what's the vote, Andrew? Where where do you where are you at on this? I'm not. Uh, I'm not on Hall of Fame mode here. Okay. And we are moving on. Uh, George Steele is out. So so far, we have booted out uh, Mula, Ivan Putsky, and George Steele. Uh, this man, this class got taken to town. Um, and then finally, we have the Grand Wizard. Uh, Ernie Roth. Uh, so obviously he was a manager uh, back in the seventies. Um, he wore the colorful outfits. He had like the the the, the turban um, and the the sunglasses. Um, he managed a lot of the top names in that time. You know Billy Graham, Pat Patterson, Ken Patera, Don Morocco, 
Killer Kowalski, Bob Orton, Greg Valentine, Mr. Fuji, Sergeant Slaughter, all these guys were managed by uh, the wizard. You know, I, I think one of the things that makes it hard to, for me, like he definitely was influential, but so he passed away in October 83. Um, So he, you know, when he was really in his peak of, of being a manager. So like, I think this might be different if he'd have been around throughout the 80s into the golden era, because I feel like he would have definitely been on TV a lot and been involved in some more recent things. You can look back at guys like Freddie Blassie, Bobby Heenan, and go, oh, yeah, I I get why they're in the Hall of Fame. But the Grand Wizard, it's like, okay, is he on that same level? Yeah, and I think the bar for manager is going to be a little bit higher, right? Like, I don't think we want... It's not going to be 50-50 managers and, and wrestlers, so I think the scrutiny's just got to be a little bit more on managers or backstage people. I agree. Also, his name's the Grand Wizard, and you don't do that on accident. That makes me angry. Yeah, it's problematic for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put him out. It, it says a lot that you don't any, hear anybody refer to him that way anymore. When you do hear them talk about him, they just say his name because his in, not I wouldn't say his entire gimmick, but the, the namesake of his gimmick is incredibly right. offensive. Okay, as we get further in, because we're already getting pretty late on the show, um, in the, the name of expediency, if somebody we feel should deserve to be in off the bat, I think we just kind of go with it because there's some names coming up that are automatic yeses. And I don't think we even need to discuss them unless somebody feels otherwise. And then we'll dive into it. Okay. We're definitely not going to do the entire hall of fame tonight, but I want to try to get in a little more than two classes. <laughs> um, so right now we're moving into the class of 1996. Uh, first up is captain Lou Albano. I don't know how you tell the story of professional wrestling without Lou Albano. Period. Yeah, I agree. No brainer. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, Killer Kowalski. Um, you know, he's was a big deal in his time, but he's had a lasting legacy because of people that he's trained, including, and I think the biggest one is Triple H. And I think going off of that criteria that we've discussed before, I think he's got to be in. He's got to stay in. Yeah, this is going to blow your mind. Uh, he also trained Eddie Edwards, China, Kofi Kingston, and Damian Sandow. He trained Kofi Kingston? Hmm. That's what it says. Did not know that. Uh, yeah, so I, Kowalski's... Oh, oh. No, I was going to say, I'm on the f- train that I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. That's what I was... It, it's great that he trained Triple H. I think training triple h versus being the inspiration to rick flair is sort of a different kind of thing because when we're saying buddy rogers inspired rick flair it's 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 something that happened um is in front of the scenes word okay on stage it's he opened a wrestling school and trained big john stud triple h china eddie edwards kofi kingston damien sandow fandango uh, Perry Saturn, Tommaso Ciampa. Like, I think, I think there's up. varying levels of, I just don't know how much credit you can get for, he's not Stu Hart. Like, I think the bar okay. for being a trainer to be in the Hall of Fame is Stu Hart. Like, I think it's got to be incredibly selective to be in as a trainer. 
Yeah, the list of people that he's trained is extensive, but you also have to remember that at a certain point, the training stops and the wrestlers become what they are uh, because of other reasons. Here's a tip for his cap. Uh, December 1972, Kowalski became the first wrestler to pin Andre the Giant in North America. It's a very cool, yeah. It's a cool statistic. Very cool. He's de- he's definitely an icon. He's just not he also a was Bruno San Martino's one of his main antagonists back in the sixties and seventies when San Martino was having his run. Again, cool, but I, I just think the bar's got to be so high for trainers. Mm-hmm. Other otherwise, are we going to put in a Hall of Fame trainer for every single Hall of Famer? But he's not just a trainer; he had a career. Our biggest piece of evidence in terms of the training, right, is is Triple H, who is a surefire Hall of Famer when we get down to it way later on. Triple H, yeah. But you also have to remember that despite the fact that Killer Kowalski trained Triple H, the influence for Triple H's career is Harley Race, and that's well documented. Um, I just don't know. This one's close. I'm going to definitely say that. If I I'm leaning towards Alec right now and in, in voting him out, but it's, okay. it's certainly not an easy decision. He, he's certainly not in the two hour professional wrestling documentary. I don't think. Okay. I mean, yeah. And honestly, I like that as kind of a barometer for some of these guys. All right. I'll concede. He's, he's out for now. Uh, next is Vincent J. McMahon. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> He's started the company. We can't really. Um, up next after him is Pat Patterson. He's a yes. I mean, he's a yes. There's no question. He's a yes enough to where I feel like we all need to say one word on it. So, yes. Uh, okay, so this next one, I know I'm going to get probably pushback from y'all, but I think he's a for sure. Uh, Johnny Rods. Googling. So Johnny Rods is one of those guys who his career itself wasn't super spectacular, right? He was higher than a jobber, but he wasn't like he wasn't winning championships. Um, But he trained um, a lot of talent. Uh, Taz, Tommy Dreamer, Matt Stryker, Bill DeMott. Dudley boys. Well, okay. If Kowalski is not in, then I don't think Johnny Rod. Yeah. So if, if we want to go off it, we're, we're solid on Kowalski being basically the line. If you're, if you're better than Kowalski, you're probably going to get in, but if you, he's not quite there. Then Rod's this, it feels end. like this is definitely, yeah, we're, not I guess we're, we're the Supreme court now, right? We've got president. And, yeah. Good Lord. We, we, we found somebody who's, just good enough, but not quite there. Like the tippy top legend that couldn't quite make the cut. Until we find one that's more tippy top. Uh, it's going <laughs> to yeah. happen at some point. The line's going to get closer. But uh, Up next is Baron Michael Suluna. Um, I've never heard of him until just now. <laughs> so he primarily worked in Canada until 1965. And then he went to the WWF. 
Um, he was famous for entering the ring with a royal blue cape over shoulders, indicating he was of Maltese royal descent. Matt, is this the 70s? Uh, this would have been the 60s, mid-60s. Yeah, he's in. I mean, what are, what are we going to do? It's the 60s. What? What do, I, what do I know? I just don't think I'm going to know enough in the time we're doing this podcast to say one way or the other. So let's just leave him in. Um, okay. I'm going to read this sentence in June, 1976. Saluna found himself as part of history as the opponent for gorilla monsoon on the night that monsoon engaged in an impromptu tussle with Muhammad Ali. Saluna was wrestling monsoon in a televised match was sent over the top rope to the floor after receiving a Manchurian chop. Saluna waved off his opponent and walked off, taking the count out loss from there. Muhammad Ali entered the ring from the audience and then tried to take jabs at monsoon i actually feel like based on that i know that we should classify this as a uh, a no it sounds but like he's, wwe he's a in, it sounded like wwe included him because he was adjacent to a very important thing yeah like i'm reading his history I'm fine and with i just that. don't you've convinced me i don't see what what he did that was so, you, you know, special. Yeah, where's his six Super Bowl rings? Right. I mean, he was a WWF something. tag champ one time and at one time uh, WWF United States tag champion. But yeah, I don't. I to me, if 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 Killer Kowalski's out, this dude's out. Sure, because I think Kowalski had a better in ring career. Um, all right, up next was. Mm, Jimmy Snuka. Out. Out. No brainer. Yeah, I don't want to speak on it, unfortunately. The coolest thing of his career was the fact that he dove off the cage at Madison Square Garden, which influenced McFoley and Bubba Ray Dudley to be wrestlers. That's it. Yeah, there's too much negative around his personal life to even dig into his accolades. If we're if we're taking Fabulous Mula out because of oh he's then he's for sure yeah. out. His accolades are not big enough for us to even try to justify including him, given what's happened. Um, up next is the last inductee of 1996 in our first tag team, the uh, Valiant Brothers, Jimmy and Johnny Valiant. This is going to be close, I think. I'll be honest, I don't have a ton of experience with either one of them. Other than the name, you know, you know, Handsome Jimmy Valiant, I, I don't have a ton of experience with them. It seems like they were kind of one of the first dominant WWWF tag teams. Um, so there might there may be an argument to be made. Um yeah, I, th- I think so. I think that there's an argument to be made here. And it may be something we have to circle back to as we start to get into tag teams coming soon. Uh, this is the first tag team that's coming up on the list. And, you know, by all measures, they're one of the most prolific tag teams of their Cornette era. Shots the shouts these guys out a lot. All, Cornette's all like the time. one of the preeminent wrestling historians. So if Cornette gives them a stamp of approval, then they're probably worthy uh all right i think they stay in uh let's okay so the next class is massive because for some reason wwe did not do a hall of fame um from 1996 to 2004 
So class of 2004 has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11 guys. But a lot of these are going to be no-brainers. So I think we can hit this class and then kind of wrap it up. Uh, first, you have Junkyard Dog. Uh, yes. For Easy. sure, yes. He's the, you know, we, we've talked about these African-American wrestlers that really broke barriers. He's the the modern example of mm-hmm. a guy who is incredibly over. Dude and- sold out uh, massive arenas all through the South. He put uh, Mid-South Wrestling on the map. Like, yeah. dude's a yes. Yeah. No brainer. Uh, Superstar Billy Graham. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's the prototype to some of the modern gimmicks. Hulk Hogan <laughs> notoriously stole a lot of his stuff from him. Um, Bobby Heenan. Yeah, yes. He's easy. Like, yeah. He's what are the, we doing here? If he's, he's the not? Mount Rushmore for the for the yeah. manager wing. Oh, for the, manager, for the commentary wing. <laughs> for, for managers, Bobby Heenan is he's Mount Rushmore. Um, okay, here's one that I think we might have a little debate on uh don morocco i say no look he's he's one of those guys that's well known like you ask any wrestling fan from who was around in the 80s 90s right they know who morocco is but what did he really do right he was around in the golden era and he fought a lot of guys who were you know hall of famers but what were his accomplishments? He, so he held the Intercontinental title twice at mm-hmm. a time where it meant something. I'll say that. And he also won the first King of the Ring. Oh, I did um, not know about the King of the Ring. Okay. But I would still lean towards this guy's below the Mendoza line. Whatever that line is, I feel like I'd, I'll i know it when I see it, and I think he's below. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not confident that we include him yet. We, we haven't okay. gotten into... You know, some of the more modern Hall of Famers to really decide what in ring accomplishments and work and, you know, transcendent like talent you have to have to to get in. But I don't think for his era that he's stacking up against some of the guys we're letting in. Yeah, it just seems like he's top of the mid card. Okay. Um, King Harley Race. I mean, he's king here because WWF, but Harley Race. I mean, yes. that's yes. <laughs> yeah, Harley Race is easy yes. The next one is the first part of our celebrity wing, which I think we have to have a conversation of, do we allow there to be a celebrity wing that obviously has a different entry than the wrestlers, or do we just exclude all celebrities? I think, Ooh, no, you no. can get in as a celebrity if you're contribution to the sport is big enough that great yeah uh i don't think this one is it's pete rose hell no yeah no i i don't even know why i I guess it was just for the fun of it like they didn't know what to do with the celebrity wing at this point because i don't think that they circle back he's made a few big appearances the first celebrity and i don't know that they circle back to doing that for a while after him I'm looking now. It it looks like they don't do that again until whatever the case. You could have a ten part documentary about professional wrestling and not have. You'll never talk about Pete Rose. Yes, makes no sense. I'm not interested in having celebrities acknowledged in general. 
All right. So no hard and fast rule about celebrities, but Pete Rose for sure not in. I would prefer uh, you is... mention them so that I can say no to them. Oh, yeah, yeah, they... yeah. We will. Because <laughs> there might be one. There may be somebody that we see and we're like, oh, yes, they should be in. Um, Tito Santana. This one's a little tricky for me. I don't think he's an instant yes. I mean, yes, he's Intercontinental Champion. He's a tag team champion. He was prevalent in the 80s, but I don't know. So Tito is, he's getting closer to the line of what a Hall of Famer is, but still isn't quite there. But I'm glad that we've got him now because now he's another litmus test for some of these other people that we're going to say no to. In my yeah, opinion, at least. I, think I, he's I, right I agree with Alec 100%. All right. Uh, so next we have Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, I think yes. Yeah. And- to to me, he's just in. He yeah. He may be a really good um, marking point here. He might he might be the bar. Because you, you got to be better one of those than guys. Him. Where his career was distinguished enough in that he was WWF champion, but he wasn't like racking up titles all over the place he drew money right he had but but you know he's not necessarily mentioned in the same vein as the rock or Shawn michaels or somebody like that right like he's even compared to his contemporaries like hulk hogan macho man he's in the conversation but he's adjacent to it you know, he is not, technically the the Hulk Hogan opponent that made them downsize the arena. So, sure, but that has but, more to do with where Hulkamania. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel, I feel yeah. like that story actually sort of is his Hall of Fame moment that gets it him really over the is. hump. I think without that second, without that return run, I don't want to say second, but without that return run with I Hogan, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. No, he's got a lot of accomplishments inside the ring then he has that main event run he main events wrestlemania with hulk hogan in what is still one of the i i i think that out of all of hulk hogan's main events i mean it's not the biggest one i would put it a i would put it above wrestlemania 2 yes and Wrestle- I, w- I would put it above king kong bundy i would put it above sid mm-hmm. um trying to think of that may only be those two, but still, it's definitely not his worst Mania main event. It, it, no. It, well, Yokozuna, but... That doesn't uh, that, count. Yeah, it almost doesn't um, count. But yeah, you have a point. No, I, I, I think for sure that this is... You know, Guy is a champ at a time where there's not a lot of champs, right? Mm-hmm. You also have to... I, I think the the other thing and that really can't. puts it over the line for me is all of the stuff he did after he retired from the ring. You he, absolutely he was can't all over do... WWE TV in the modern age. Exactly, you couldn't do a two hour wrestling documentary without him being on the screen at some point. You just couldn't. Because to your also, point, Andrew, he's all over the Attitude Era after he's already had a distinguished wrestling mm-hmm. career. Also, he was a GI Joe. So uh, next we have Big John Stud. And to me, Big John Studs out. Yes, he's a big man, and he had a couple of WrestleMania matches. But what else did he do? Guy's a stud. Yeah, he's the epitome of 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 legend, not Hall of Famer. Yes, agreed. 
then we've got Greg the Hammer Valentine. I again big out to me. This is like a home Greg run is, out. Greg is very well known. Uh, he still makes the the run the rounds in the the um, convention circuit today. Um, in fact, one time I was at WrestleCon and he was charging I don't know how much it was fifty bucks to take a picture where he was like putting you in the figure four. Um, but look at his career. Yes, he's well known. He's remembered, but. <sighs> You know, like, I don't know. I don't feel like. Yeah, if we say Tito Santana's not in, Greg Valentine's Then why is Greg Valentine in? I think they're just, you know, upper mid-card, lower main event guys. They're not that 1%. Yeah. Um, All right. And then the final one for this uh, class was Jesse the Body Ventura. This one's a little trickier. Um, Jesse's in-ring career was fine, but nothing super, you know, memorable about it. Other than, again, with like superstar Billy Graham, you know, they were kind of that that generation of doing more of the flamboyant, colorful gimmicks that led to the modern era. Um, but really, his his uh, announcing career in the eighties and nineties you know, really, I think, sets him apart from from other guys of his era. Honestly, this one, I I think I'm going to go with the no. I feel like his accolades, just as a person, are are more extensive outside of wrestling than they are in wrestling. I mean, sure. Well, he's just an extraordinary person, though, too. Right? There's not a whole lot of... Navy SEAL turned professional wrestlers turned politicians. I I agree. I, I think that he he deserves acknowledgement. I just don't know that if we're talking about a professional wrestling hall of fame that he's so, got enough for, in the business to really be in there. Andrew, I think what you're discounting or what you must be discounting to come to that conclusion is the commentary bit. I just feel like he is the voice of the mid arguably the most popular era in WWE. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's the Attitude Era, maybe it's that run, but it's there's just so many important Hogan calls, right, where he's in the mix. I just don't think you could cut him out of the story. I don't that, think so. I, it's a question of is that enough in this case? He he's probably the line to where. That gets but here's the deal. He's if you think about the voices of WWF back in the '80s, there's three people or four people you think of. There's Vince McMahon, there's uh, Bobby Heenan, there's Gorilla Monsoon, and there's Jesse Ventura. Right? I, I think that alone keeps him in there. That, that, that's where I'm at. I mean, unless Andrew can make him more compelling. No, I'm willing to side with you guys. I want to have him be a yes. I'm I'm looking through and I'm I'm trying to to put enough in the wrestling category to feel like I can justify it. He also changed the the business with the uh, royalties thing too. mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling like he's really pushing over the bar here with just everything that he's done outside of the ring for wrestling. 
it feels like this is enough. All right, so class of 2005. This is a, a heavy-hitting class. Uh, first, you have Jimmy Hart. Uh, I think as far as managers go, Jimmy Hart's up there in the conversation, right, with guys like uh, Bobby Heenan and so forth. I, It would be hard for me to say he's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's, we talk about that two-hour documentary, like... He's going to be in like everything. He's going to be all over the fucking. <laughs> yeah, he's. I, he might be the line for me, though. Yeah, he's closer to the line for sure than anyone else we've put in on the, on the back on the announcer. Manager backstage side, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up is Hulk Hogan. Uh, look. Yeah. For as much bad as Hogan has done as a person, for as much politicking as he's done, Hogan elevated the business to a level that, you know, it took a Stone Cold Steve Austin to get us there again. And we haven't really been there since, as much as John Cena has tried. Uh, You can't have a Hall of Fame for wrestling without Hulk Hogan. Uh, next, you have uh, Hogan's mortal enemy, <laughs> the Iron Sheik. Um, this one's a little tricky because Sheik's Sheik's in ring career was fine, but other than being known for two things, so he's being he's best known as the guy that lost the WWF title to Hulk Hogan, which kickstarted Hulkamania. Okay, which. Technically, anyone could have, sl- any heel could have slotted in there. But, and the other thing he's known for is, you know, in more modern times, is his horrific rants on YouTube and Twitter and, uh, you know, motherfucker this, motherfucker that, and stuff, um, which is entertaining as all hell. But I don't know that that makes you a Hall of Famer. As iconic of, of a character as he is, I don't think that he meets the mark for me. For, yeah, I think for one percent that I just don't see it. He's a very interesting case, and we're gonna have to mark this down. He, you can't tell the story of professional wrestling without him. He's absolutely integral to it. He's in that documentary, but he's the first one where that's not going to be enough to get into the Hall of Fame. Like he's just. He's integral to the story, but not integral enough. He's the line on on that front, I think. He's a footnote, and we don't discuss the footnote. We don't go into it. Yeah, he he's in a couple lines, but he's not in on enough different pages. Okay, I, I agree with that. Uh, up next, you've got Bob Orton. Uh, I'm sorry, not Bob Orton. Oh yes, Cowboy Bob Orton. I think Bob Orton's another one of those guys that's kind of on the line. You know, Orton's most remembered for being involved in things, right? He was involved in the WrestleMania one main event, which is huge. Uh, But does being in a particular match make you, um, you know, he was a well-known foe of guys like Hulk Hogan and stuff. Um, But is that, is that enough? If it's not enough for the Sheik, I, I can't see how it can be enough for Bob, right? Okay, but Sheik didn't main event WrestleMania. 
There's a different. Now we're getting into the main event well, of WrestleMania. You wouldn't have people. had WrestleMania if not for a match that Sheik was involved in. Mm, I, okay, sure. I'm but just saying, if we're all... giving people credit for like being in the arena, um... no. But if you're on the marquee, okay, and your match is selling WrestleMania one, which the whole company. Is at this point, it's if WrestleMania succeeds, great. If it doesn't succeed, this could be the end of it because we all have no more money. And you're one of the guys involved in that match. You know, that's I, I that's a hell it, of a thing. He, he's okay, the so, fifth guy on the marquee, you know? Yeah. I, I, I hate to point this out, but the, the official marquee for that match is Hulk Hogan and Mr. T with Jimmy Snuka. And okay. we obviously left him out. And I would argue that, you know, the guy that was actually in the match next to somebody we're about to bring up who's a surefire Hall of Famer is Paul Orndorff. And I, I don't know that we would include him. So I, I don't think that Bob Orton's going to be enough. Okay. Let's assume Bob Orton's not in. Um, next is Paul Orndorff, which I, to me is... He's closer, I think. He's closer, <clears throat> but if Orton's not in, I don't think Orndorff is. I didn't even realize Paul Orndorff was on 2005. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that he's quite it either. It's, man, I, I'm debating whether or not I want to argue you guys here. I think he, for me, is probably the closest no call we've had so far. Like, I think really? he's a bigger deal than the Sheik. Yes. Um. See, I him being in the main event of, of WrestleMania one, I think carries a lot more weight because he's in the match. Mm-hmm. He he's the the, but granted, he's the fourth guy. I'm gonna say no. He's as close as I've come to saying yet, uh, yes, someone and not being able to pull the trigger. Okay, so he's out. Orton's out. Uh, Nikolai Volkov, uh, again, I don't, if Orton, er, if Orndorff's not in, Volkov's not in. Yeah, there's not enough agreed. here for me. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and then let's end this on a high note. Rowdy Roddy Piper, instant yes. Yes. Yeah. He's, out of everybody that we've just talked about in 2005, is the, the biggest yes for me. I, I recognize that Hulk Hogan... <laughs> Is, is a bigger star, but Hogan's an asterisk that you have to. He's such an asshat that I'm like, fine, you get your <laughs> you get your fucking flowers, Hogan. But like Piper is the one of the greatest of all time. He's he's like a personal favorite. Right. Cool. Um, man, we kicked out a lot more people than I thought we would. Um, so, yeah, next. Well, I don't know if it'll be next week, might be the week after, depending on what the. Uh, what goings on there are on TV that we need to talk about. But uh, yeah, we'll come back the next time we do this and go through the next. We only went through basically a page and a quarter out of this program. So as, as this next time we might get to 2013, maybe uh, do we have anything else to, uh, to discuss before we move on? Um, apologies to everybody that, uh, was eliminated from our, you know, personal Hall of Fame that we're we're building right now. 
it doesn't, you know, we don't want to take anything away from some of the biggest stars in the business, but that is sort of the, the game that we're playing right now. And, uh, it's worth just giving that acknowledgement. There are a handful of you motherfuckers on this list that got eliminated for good reasons, but for the rest of you guys, uh, apologies. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it for us. Uh, make sure you, uh, rate us and like, uh, like us or subscribe to us, whatever the fuck it is on whatever podcast listening platform you like to use. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, such good shit pod. You can also email us at such good shit, pal at gmail.com. And I will say this up to this point, we have not gotten any emails from any fans, uh, nor have we really gotten anyone, uh, reaching out on Twitter or anything. I'm going to throw this out there right now. Uh, the first person who follows us on Twitter and, um, sends a tweet and uses the hashtag such good shit. Uh, I will send them free of charge. I'll send them something wrestling. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. Something cool, something small, but, uh, first person to do it. You're going to get something. I guess that's it. Are we done? Yeah, I think we did it. Probably good to go.